Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lanier. What's your way of dealing with conflict? How can conflict open the door to creating a thriving business or marriage? And what are the basic steps for engaging a conflict without pouring gasoline on the fire? Jeff Hanslick is here to discuss constructive ways to deal with conflict and how he plans to confront one of his neighbors later on today. All right. Well, I'm talking today with Jeff Hanslick. He's an executive coach with 15 years of experience in the therapy field. You can learn more about him at TitleLeadership.com. Uh, Jeff also partners with Jonathan Paskowitz to do immersive retreats that combine surfing and life coaching. You can learn more about that at JohnnySurfer.com. Jeff, welcome and thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks for having me, Trip. It feels great to, to be on a be on this with you. Yeah. Well, you're a coaching client of mine. We've been working together for the better part of the last year. I wanted to I wanted to bring you in to discuss conflict and confrontation because through our work together, you've been confronting and having challenging conversations in your life. It's it's a natural part of the growth process that you've been through. And I think you've got a superpower. I think you've got, you know, with all the experience you have in this world, it's not easy for you to do this, but I've noticed that your your willingness to just go in and like, okay, this is a conversation that needs to happen. So I, I like to label that as superpower. I know that's something you've had to develop, but I mean, you've been able to have these conversations with your family, with your wife and and people in, that are related to your business and the development that you're going through there. So, and you also coach people in this arena, right? With the, with the clients that you have in your coaching practice, are you helping them with this type of conflict and having difficult conversations? It is. It's something I do a lot, both with, with a lot with couples. I do a lot with founders of companies um, because I think difficult conversations are a central part of our development. And they're going to, because we're people and we're, we're in relationships that we're, we're needing to have them quite often. And I work with people to help them move towards those. Great. Well, that's what I wanted to bring in today is because many times when I talk to guys and we're talking about what they want in their life, they, they say things like, well, I mean, I, there's no way I could do that. Or, well, I've got to do this other thing. 
And when I get curious about that, instead of just going, oh, okay, well, I guess we're not going to go in that direction, I just get curious with them and say, well, why? What's, what's, really that, what's that really about? And they, they usually describe something about how they're making a dis- – if they were to go down that road, it's going to create some kind of a conflict. It's going to create mm-hmm. a dust-up. They, they see conflict as something that's going to destroy their relationship or it's going to screw up their business partnership. They don't see how dealing with the conflict head-on could be something that could strengthen their relationships and their business partnerships. So the cost of this thinking is that a guy can spend years tolerating and contorting himself in, in a situation because he's just simply afraid to, to confront somebody. He's simply afraid to go in there and have this conversation. He can waste years and take on tons of resentment because he's afraid to go through that challenging conversation, which may only take a few minutes. So what if he didn't need to avoid these conversations? What if he understood that they were necessary, like you said, to a thriving business or a thriving marriage or a thriving relationship with his kid? What if he could go into confrontation without feeling like somebody had to be the winner or the loser? What if he mm-hmm. didn't feel the need to control or overpower the other person? What if he didn't believe that he could be overpowered and that he would lose or, or um, lose a part of himself in that process? So. How much more free would he feel if he knew how to confront someone in a way that didn't blow the whole thing up? What if he knew uh, how to do this in order to make things stronger? So that those are the questions that I'm bringing today because that's the possibility I want the guy out there listening right now to take on is that wherever he says, I have to do this or I have to do that or I can't do this or I can't do that, to start to see that those are doorways into the world that he really wants to live into, the life that he really wants to have. So is there anything that you would add to that? Yeah, I think you, you stated that really well. And this idea that, that conflict is something that just happens to happen to us or shows up just on the periphery um, is, a, is a really superficial reading about the way that we, we are as people. I mean, conflict is central to, to our daily lives. It, it happens all the time. And a lot of people develop strategies about conflict and how they relate to it. And most of us, it's not like there's those out there that just love it. I think it's hard for everybody. But the people that I know that have developed strategies, that have developed a way to lean into the conflict, to the discomfort of it, um, have, as you said, gained a, a high level of freedom in their life. They're, as you said again, creating their reality moving forward instead of feeling like the world's up against them and they, and they, they don't have any space to maneuver. And let's get clear here. When we're talking about conflict, I don't think – we're not talking about uh, – how do we describe this? Because I can right. imagine there's there's a part of us that goes out there and thinks like, oh, I'm going to go pick a fight with somebody. I've right. got a difference of opinion about this thing or that, and I'm going to go I'm going to go up against somebody. We're talking about in the the process of creating the life that we want or the relationship that we want. That inevitably we're going to butt heads. We're going to have differences with others. In the sense that you know, when you get to that aggressive place, when you get to a fight, you've already moved past conflict, um, and now you're in combat. So the, the step before combat is actually conflict, and we can skillfully work with conflict. Um, and that's important because if, if we're associating conflict and combat as the same thing, then we're going we're gonna to shy away from it time and again. So how do, we, how do we really move into conflict in a clear way that we can negotiate it, utilize it for our own strengths, and, and, and be an example to others about how to deal with it? I love that distinction between combat and conflict. That's that's huge because most of us are we just don't want to get into that place where we're at each other's throats and we're in a fight and we regress back to that earlier part of ourselves where it's mm-hmm. scary and you know basically everything we care about is at is at risk. 
before we get to that, what are the, how, do, how are most of us dealing with conflict right now? Well, normally, we develop some kind of a style. Um, what are those three basic styles? Yeah, I, there's, there's three ways that we generally go about conflict. And one of them is to um, show up in a Ford 350 uh, with some jacked up tires and <laughs> um, look like the man and, and really puff our chest up and, and, and thump it and, and try to run over the next guy. Um, to be so aggressive, to, to aggressive. seek control over that person. You're going to be the bully. So that's that's. Do you have something against Fords, like big big Ford it trucks? It could be a Chevy it? or Dodge. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's just large trucks are a good indicator. All right, I Not grew up always. around large trucks, so I just want to I just want to check that out, see if there's something you, you need <laughs> to work on here. We can, we can get into that next week on my call. I'd like to talk. Yeah, the second one would be uh, pleasing. It, uh, really trying to placate and make yourself look good in the eyes of the other person. So we're going to, we really put the needs of the other person before us. And if we can take care of their needs, then essentially we feel like we're going to get ours taken care of. That's the nice uh, guy syndrome. That's, that's where, the nice guy. And yeah. you see a lot of depression and anxiety with folks like this because they're, they're working so hard to keep everybody else happy and they end up burning out. Um, and, and that's tough. So yeah. And, and just to speak up, if, if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out Dr. Robert Glover's book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, go check it out. I did an interview with him. Go look it up. It's, it's really powerful stuff. Um, okay. What's the third style? You can just be the ostrich and put your head right in the hole and avoid the whole thing altogether. Okay. But you're still in the line of fire because the rest of your body's, you're not, you're just covering your eyes and, and trying to avoid the situation. I just, I, this is the sense like I walk into a guy's apartment and, and I'm trying to talk to him, but the, he's got the leftovers in the fridge that are smelling up the whole place. He doesn't smell it anymore, but it just, it's like, dude, yeah. you've got to clean up your it's life here. Yeah. yeah. And I imagine he's not really, he's avoiding it, but it, it's at the cost of feeling anxious. Like at some point I'm going to have to deal with this. Um, and I'm, and until then I'm just going to try and outrun it. Yep. Okay. Yep. I mean, I run it. I'm going to push it away. But what you're not dealing with there is the real costs and the cost of not having these conversations, the cost of, of not being willing to stand for yourself and utilize your voice to, to, uh, to, to show up in the relationship and in your life is, is really high. And I mean, I think about this in, with, with co-founders all the times of businesses, if they can't have real conversations, you got to think about that in, in, in time of, and the cost of time, the energy expended uh, for all the avoidance or not having it, the effect that it's going to have on your team. I mean, the, the, the costs go far and wide. And then what if that's a, ultimately at the end of the day, you never had those conversations and the, and the relationship ruptures. Then you got to go find somebody else. I mean, that, that's not good for a company. Um, and if you want to look at a marriage with, without people having hard, tough conversations with each other, just... First, you got to, you know, especially if you have kids, goodness, you think about the time and the energy it takes to, to start to deal with the problems that show up at school. Um, and then you got to hire a therapist to send your kid to go have tough conversations with the therapist. And basically what you're asking the kid to do is to have the very conversations you're not willing to have yourself with mm -hmm. your spouse, which is insane to me. I mean, if that's not crazy, I don't know what it is. Right. Then you're going to fork out tons of money for them to do that for you. And then let's say we get to divorce and that's going to be expensive. So these aren't these, 
I want to move past this idea that it's a luxury to have these types of conversations. I think it's a necessity that we have to put ourselves in the position to have them on a consistent basis um, and move past that we're going to have one or two of them and just clear the air. Uh, I propose that it's a way of being, it's a, it's a mindset that we have to really go for what we want, utilize our voice to stay clear and keep things in alignment. I imagine if the guy's listening right now and he, and he's, we're, we're, we're opening the, the windows into a new possibility for him, but he mm-hmm. may not see the indicators that it's time to deal with something. He may not see that there's an opportunity in front of him to have one of these conversations and to create another possibility for himself. So what are those indicators? How do we know when it's time to deal with something or somebody head on? Well, the first one is when you start fighting with somebody about something that has nothing to do with anything. So when I, 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 I use example at home with myself, when, when the dishwasher is stopped mid cycle and I start to get really pissed off about it and start to fight with my wife about the dishes and, and how I hate waking up in the morning with a dishwasher stuck in mid cycle, I'm pretty much going to be in the train that, that she and I need to have a conversation about something deeper. It's not about the dishwasher. It's not about the dishwasher. And that's going to be a first indicator. Another one is if you start blaming, if you start making assumptions, and if you start feeling resentment towards somebody, you're in the realm of needing to take care of the relationship, of, of doing some cleanup here. Yeah. And that's, for me, the number one. You know, resentment is a, a wonderful indicator that it's time to take responsibility and go forward to a conversation. If I'm complaining... I, I do a thing where I get nitpicky. I start I just mm-hmm. get critical. That's the leftover Chinese food in the fridge for me when I'm when I'm getting nitpicky and critical of yeah. things. It's like, all right, I need to I need to take out the trash here. And then mm-hmm. I find that I'm just way more spacious. I may still want things cleaned up, but it's not affecting me. It's not pissing me off. Um, right. it's not it's not triggering me in that way. So it's a waste of time to make it about the stuff on the surface, I hear what you're saying is like, oh, that's just an indicator. It's not really about that. Go in, go in deeper. There's, there's another conversation to have. Right, right. And I like to think about it as if this stuff is filling up your, the hard drive of your mind with all sorts of clutter, it's like the shower thoughts that you have or if you're driving and you just find yourself musing on the other person and having negative thoughts about it or, you know, it can actually, you'll, you'll feel bad. You'll get, start getting pissed off. Then it's time. Right. It, because it's not worth carrying that stuff around, especially when you can put it to rest and, and, and not only clear it out of the way, but you're, you'll utilize that to move things forward in a, in a way that wouldn't be possible. All right. And I can imagine it's probably easier for us to identify in our friends, like they come to us and we're having lunch or we're getting some coffee and we just hear the guy bitching about stuff. We could right. sit there and get content. We could sit there and, and get hung up in the content of what he's talking about. Or we might say, hey, what's the real problem? What's the conversation that, that you need to have? If, you're, if you guys have that kind of relationship where you could challenge them in that way and, and hopefully vice versa, that there would be somebody like, oh, I notice you're complaining a lot or you're bitching a lot. What's, what's really going on? What's the thing you might be avoiding? And, and are you willing to go in there? Um, but let's talk about that. What's, what's at stake? I mean, we're avoiding these conflicts, but we could assume that you know, the shit's going to hit the fan or whatever, but what's really at stake? Why are we, why are we really avoiding these conversations? Let's say I figure out, I know it's time for me to have this conversation. It's like, ah, but I, I don't know if I want to go down that road. Right. And I'll use an example from my own life that, that that's happening currently. And I'm going to pause mid podcast and thank you for bringing me into this, this conversation with you because 
it's really forced my wife and I to look at some things in our life that we, we wouldn't have. And, and I was sharing with her today some of the, the things we were talking about, and she started to get furious, which was wonderful. And <laughs> Wait, what it, do you mean? Well, hold on. Well, Rewind. <laughs> yeah, great. And the reason is, is that my daughter stayed home from school today, and she's banging around, jumping on the couches. And then she starts telling us a story how the neighbors up the street have told her that she's a bad example to their daughter that they don't feel safe with us as, as neighbors and that they, they have some judgments and assumptions about it. And they're, they're really closed with my daughter. And she's somebody that spent time at their house. And it was, a, it was a shock to us. And what it really had us do was look at all the ways we've kind of overlooked that relationship with them. And my wife started realizing this is not okay. I don't like people talking to my daughter this way. We need to stand up for this. Would you be willing to go with me and have a conversation with our neighbors about this? Wow. And I went, uh, okay, <laughs> I don't want to, yeah. but I will because we have to. And it's not only just for us, but it's for our daughter that she, I want my, that I love this idea that our conversation is going to geographically expand our world. That once we can have that difficult conversation with those neighbors and get to the result we want with them, my daughter's got a longer range that she gets to feel safe in that she gets to feel like his home. Hmm. Um, so it's powerful for me. So I wanted to thank you for that because it's, it's caused us to look at ways that we don't pay attention. That's so crazy because you could have just shown up and, and, and after, the, after this talk, you could have just been like, yeah, by the way, here's some shit that happened today and here's what my neighbor said. And, and I imagine we could have unconsciously just gone into this thing like, wow, they're being dicks and they're do like just condemn them together. Oh, yeah. But what I'm yeah. hearing you say is, okay, they're making up some stuff. They've got some stuff going on in their head. Let's go mm -hmm. deal with it. And once we deal with it, there's going to be our world is bigger. You're already seeing that possibility. And this is, this is happening today. It's happening today. Okay. And boy, <laughs> it's, it's tough. And that's what I, I want the listener to understand is that none of these are easy on the front end of it. And nobody's like, oh, cool. I hope I have a difficult. Right. Yeah. We're not going to feel fearless about it. We're going to feel the fear. But I love that definition of courage is we wouldn't be courageous if we didn't feel fear first. Right. Uh, that's what makes courage, courage. Um, and, and so and even though you know technically how to navigate these types of things, the fear is still there. I want Absolutely. to point that out because a lot of us are like, well, I don't know how. And because I don't know how, I must be getting it wrong. Or I, if I knew how, I wouldn't be scared. And that's the thing that's holding me back. But I just, I want to nix that one, cross that one out. Yeah. Even if you know how, it's still hard. Yeah. Okay. It, it's, it's hard every time. Wow. It's hard every time. But okay. that's where the reward is, is on the other side of it. That release we feel, the relief because we're stretching ourselves, we're, we're expanding the boundaries that we live in. And as you were talking about in the beginning, that if we're having these conversations, we're expanding our own reality. And again, it's not just about a single conversation with our neighbors. It's about a mindset that my wife and I carry at home, which is we are holding something valuable and sacred in terms of our home. And anything that's going to become in conflict for that, we've got to take care of. It's our job. And and I want my home to feel as big as possible. So however wide I can really push that out, fantastic. And that, that extends to my business too. I, I, if I'm shying away from any kind of conversation in my business, I'm not going to be effective. 
it's mm. not going to meet the vision that I have for myself of how far I want to take this. Yeah, a difficult conversation doesn't necessarily have to be like a difference of opinions. You know, I, I work oh. with other coaches and, and this has been part of my development too. A difficult conversation is like, hey, I charge X amount a year for my services. And, and if we're avoiding that, boy, we get broke. So, um, yeah. yeah, look right. at look at how this possibility, how how our avoidance of these types of conversations ends up affecting our bottom line too. But yeah. I want to come back because my question to you earlier was like, what's at stake? So, yeah. For example, for you, what's at stake today in this conversation? Um, you're 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 approaching it from the angle of not like I need to go down there and whip somebody's ass in my big Ford, mm-hmm. which you obviously have issues with big Fords and Chevys. But the the <laughs> I had an image of me renting a large truck and driving just full on into the driveway. It's got to be loud though. That's the yeah, other part the of it. Yeah, with stereo going off and yeah, yeah a couple yeah. guys in the back. Right. Yeah. Right. As an evolved Southern man, you have to integrate the big, the big, uh, the big truck. So, um, but yeah, what's it? What's at stake for you? Because you're addressing it, and you're not going to go down there just to beat somebody's ass and puff yourself up. It you're you're shooting for something else. But what's at stake? What's at stake for me ultimately is my daughter's sense of self. I think that that's what that comes down to for me. Is I really want her to have reflected back to her, her integrity, her sense of, of who she is. And if she's going to be in someone else's house and have that kind of feedback, I want to have a say in there. And it's risky. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about it. I'm afraid of what they're going to come back with. But also what's at stake is a, is a feeling that I belong in my own neighborhood, that mm. I want to have good neighbors. And if I don't stand up for this, then I don't get to live in the neighborhood I'd love to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'd be easy for me to blame my neighbors and, and as sort of in regards to the quality of life I get to have and, and play the victim in my neighborhood. Yeah, yeah sure. Victim. I get to be a victim to it. Or I can do the hard work, roll up my sleeves, uh, take some deep breaths and, and what, and have my daughter witness that she's valuable enough for me to experience some discomfort. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, does that answer your question? Well, I, I love how you're, you're still going for like, what's at stake if I don't do this? Because right. uh, most of us only see what's at stake if I do engage this. So when you say at stake, I'm hearing what could go. Yeah, what's at risk? Like what could go wrong? Uh-huh. Which I think is really cool how you're orienting because most of us are just like, this could go yeah. wrong, therefore I'm not doing it. But so. when I see what could go wrong, we're already living it. That they're not going to like us. We're not going to like them. We're going to pass assumptions back to each other. And we're going to live in it like we'll just keep doing what we're doing. Maybe what's going to happen? They're going to get pissed off. Um, is somebody going to start yelling? Are they going to say something to me that I don't like about myself? They actually may have some really key information about me that I don't want to hear about mm-hmm. the kind of neighbor I am. Maybe they don't like the way I put my trash cans out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's some part about that I'm going to get some feedback that could hurt. It's going to I challenge think, the idea yeah. of who you are, and you don't want to see that part of you. I don't want to see that. Okay. Right. So I think that, that if we can move, if I can get beyond that and really look to understanding the story, because I believe there's a story in there for them, then I think we're going to be able to move forward with it. You've got a big picture here. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to, I want to help the listener see that the, the what's possible, what's on the other side of this, instead of, Oh, I see something here. It could, it could go wrong. So let me go avoid this. Let me find another way around this, or let me go puff myself up so I can overpower this. And that's mm-hmm. another way of avoiding um, what you're essentially going into, which is let's have a conversation. Let's figure out what's going on. So um, mm-hmm. 
Okay, that's powerful. Well, this this goes into the to the meat of the conversation here. So, so let's go into that. You're getting ready to have a conversation. You're getting ready to have this difficult conversation. I would love for the listener to have just a basic kind of overview, something that he could, you know, a little cheat sheet if he wanted, um, just some something that, that'll help him engage this process uh, so he can move into that greater possibility. What's the first step? So the first step is to do your homework. Uh, and what I mean by doing your homework is take time take the time to prepare for this conversation. This isn't something that you just walk into without thought. So you don't want to be triggered. You don't want to be hot and fired up. And not only that, it's not just about the emotional content, but we, we want to get really clear about what we're talking to them about specifically. And also we want to get clear on what the result is that we'd like to have with the conversation. What am I looking for? What's the outcome that I want to have and where am I coming from? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. All exactly, right. exactly. There's a book called Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott, and, and I use that model a lot because I, I found it to be really effective and really powerful, um, and she does a good job of shifting the conversation from me being right and trying to share my truth and impose it upon someone else to that we're all having a different experience. She uses this idea of a beach ball that if there's six people in the room and there's a beach ball on the table, we're all going to see a different color. And so if we apply that to the situation that whatever I'm bringing, the other person's going to have their side of the story. And the closer we can get to my truth and and their experience of it, then we're going to have uh, a clearer understanding of what happened. Okay. So I want to draw out what their experience is. I want to be prepared to share what's going on with me, but I understand that this is not about who's right, who's wrong, that there's a winner and a loser here. Um, Mm -hmm. It is more about like, well, what's going on for you? Help me understand why you're thinking this way. Um, mm-hmm. But is it, is it just turned into a kumbaya fest? Like, how, how, what goes on from, <laughs> like, oh, okay, so. Get out my guitar. Well, yeah. I just, I can imagine it just kind of, like, not going anywhere if, if we just sat around and, okay. and, and wanted, you know, just oh. like, oh, okay, great. So, that's, yeah. that's what you think. Isn't that fantastic? Uh, that sounds, I, I really hear you. I really, mm-hmm. I feel, <laughs> maybe we should just call this off. <laughs> You want to get some kombucha? <laughs> uh, so let's go back. Let's get really concrete here. And, and I just, maybe with just listing the steps would be helpful. So the okay. first thing that we want to do after you do your homework is we want to set up a time and a place for the meeting. Um, so you're going to let the other person know, hey, I'd love to have this conversation with you. There's some stuff going on. Would you be willing to have this with me? And let's make a time, a place, and even name it the duration. We're going to talk for 30 minutes about this. Let's, let's carve ourselves out an hour that we can sit down and talk together. Okay, cool. Um, and we can even ask them in there, you know, anything that, what would be most important for them to talk about? Mm-hmm. And so we can bring them in. But we have to set a time and a place. So it's acknowledging, hey, there's something for us to talk about here. Let's set a time and a place to do this. Exactly. And then we're going to name the issue and then give an example of, of the issue itself. So maybe I name the issue with my business partner. Hey, I am having, I'm feeling that you're not paying attention to me. Here's an example. When we were in the board meeting, you talked over me three separate times and cut me off several times. Great. We didn't blame anybody. We didn't say what was wrong. We simply said, here's the issue. And this is what I experienced. Okay. Uh, Which is different than what's, how would you model the, the, the more divisive way of doing that? Sure. Man, it's bullshit. When we were in the meeting, you talked over me and you do that all the time. You never give me the floor 
and you don't respect me and it's really embarrassing and and i hate that you do this to me so and you're an yeah. asshole and you're an asshole for it right uh, that's going to create a lot of defensiveness okay and that obviously isn't going to go well okay in the first version i want to i just want to highlight in the first version you, you you stated like this is what happened this was this is what, what happened this is what this happened is, in the room which is different than you're an asshole right which is different than how i can make you wrong or bad this is just what happened right. this is what i noticed um right. okay and this and then i'm also hearing like the impact that mm-hmm. this is frustrating for me this is this doesn't work for me yep man you're so intuitive about this so th- these are, you just moved right along the, the steps so we're going to name the issue give an example and then we're going to bring in the emotion of it right there and we don't have to take a long time with this we can simply say that hurt or i felt dismissed um any of those things so okay. we're keeping it really short and really clean Right. And then we might want to clarify what's at stake. That's the next step is what's at stake in this for me? Well, the viability of our business is at stake. The leadership of our team is at stake. Um, the financial gains that we could potentially make when we're unified is at stake. So there's a lot here that, that's coming up. So when so, this behavior happens, this mm-hmm. is ultimately where I see it uh, impacting both of us. It's, it's a thing that ideally mm-hmm. there's a shared reality, but at least just saying, hey, this is what's important to me and this is why, well, how it's impacting this thing. Mm-hmm. This is why it's important. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So there we are so far. And then just a couple more things is we want to take accountability for our part of it. And again, this doesn't have to be long-winded or apologetic or where you really give yourself up. You take ownership the, of how you contributed. So yeah, that happened. The other day, and I went behind your back and talked to several people about it. I complained about you. I didn't confront you right in the meeting or shortly thereafter. So I let it go. And I realized that that didn't help the situation. Okay. So, so we're, we're taking some ownership there. And then just sharing that you'd like to resolve it mm-hmm. and that you'd love to see a different result. You know, I'd love to get back on the same page. And then comes the real meat of the work. Well, before we go into that, before we go into that, I just want to, because I can imagine a scenario, let's say I'm dancing with my partner and mm-hmm. my partner keeps stepping on my foot and I don't bring it up. Mm-hmm. I can create this story in my head that my partner's an asshole. Sure. Right? And, and But a, and a lot of times without this feedback of, hey, by the way, are you aware that you're stepping on my foot and it hurts? And most of the time, like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I, I, of course, I, I'll change things. Let me, that's my mm-hmm. bad. And um, yeah, I don't want your foot to hurt. I want to continue dancing. I like dancing with you and I don't want to hurt your foot. So a lot of times we just need to speak up and yeah. and it doesn't need to, to devolve into a battle or combat, like you said. Just most of the time we just need to speak up and, and let people know the impact of what they're doing. And that can usually be enough where, where people will shift their behavior. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I just want to, I want to name that there because a lot of times it doesn't need to be more complex than that. I love that you say that too. And there's a, I love the question, what am I willing to overlook to keep my version of reality going? And I think that's where that starts is these little things, someone steps on your toes and you just kind of overlook it or you don't say something. Or, and then we start to define meaning. We start to find meaning to the whole, the whole issue. That's a big deal. And the other part of it is not just criticizing, hey, you're not doing this well. Hey, you're pissing me off. And then l- passing the burden to the other person to figure out what we want. I think that's right. that's lazy. What most of us we're we're good sure. at being critics, but we don't do the work to say here's the thing that I want. I think as long as we're focused on problems, if we really believe that's what's going to create the solution, we're really missing the whole point. We've got to come to the table with, 
I want another, I don't want another reality here. Let's either co-create that together or I'm going to come to the, to the table with what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of mm-hmm. just complaining and bitching and moaning, which does not create the reality you want. No, unless that's the reality you want. <laughs> to be bitchy and complain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah some people are, the, yeah. You can stay in the victim. You know, I mean, I, that, that whole idea of being a victim is, has a lot of benefits for people. Mm-hmm. And it, you'll notice that if you confront people on being a victim to their life, the people that hear you confront them on it and get excited about the possibilities of being empowered generally you're going to move towards ownership. The people that take offense to you calling a victim are pretty much going to stay in the victim place. They like it. There's something about, I don't know if they like it, but that that's, it's comfortable. It's, a, it's an illusion of power. Yeah. It's yeah. an illusion of power. Okay. Sure. Sure. So I love those pieces that you brought up and the whole idea that, I, you know, for the listener, if you're going to go in and have one of these conversations, at least you can start with this general idea that you're going to kind of state that you're going to state your case Share your emotion about it. Share a little bit of what's at stake for you. Take some responsibility in there. And then just let people know, whoever it is that you want to resolve it, that you want to get a different result. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a powerful beginning. It states your case, and it gives some context for the rest of the conversation to happen. Okay. I want to name that. And then the second part of this trip is probably what all of us are going to find difficult is really fleshing out the other person's reality now. Now that you've stated your case, we want to get it on the, on the map, what happened. And one of the, the possibilities here is simply to ask questions. I mean, what if you could only ask questions for 20 minutes? That's powerful because you're, you're staying in the curious place. You might be feeling defensive. You might be feeling frustrated, but if you have to keep asking questions, you're probably going to flush something out from that person at a deeper level than if you started to prove them wrong or, or cut them off because you feel hurt or defensive. And this is insane to somebody who has an agenda and needs to be right. This is insane to somebody that is feeling defensive and needs to control the outcome and needs to control how they're seen. It's really hard to just draw out what the other person is thinking and feeling and wanting and, and what occurred for them. Um, mm-hmm. This defensiveness is uh, so pervasive so I want to help. I want to help the listener understand why this is important. Why? Why would I want to be curious? Why would I want to put aside my agenda and my defensiveness to understand what's going on for the other person? Why is that important? It's a good question. Ultimately, so we can get to the bottom of it. Ultimately, so we can get a shared reality. Because we're talking about a relationship here. We're talking about two separate people coming together bringing their, 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 their own realities, their current realities, and, and putting them together. And we don't have the full picture. I mean, if we never interacted with somebody and we just lived in our own heads, we'd never grow. We'd never stretch. We, we would just stay in this sort of bubble of ourselves. If we really want to open up to the next possibility to, to really step into a relationship that means something, we might want to invite the other person in that they might have a story about it. And it's, it's fairly adolescent to not do so to me. Well, what you just said was so powerful that we don't have the full picture. I might think I have the full picture. I might think I know and understand everything and I'm the authority on this thing. And so to entertain that belief that they have their experience, can I listen to what happened for them without giving up my own? I think that's the part that's difficult. That's why we, there's, you know, it's... 
<laughs> I think about politics. I think about people arguing on cable news shows. They talk over one another. There's a defensiveness that there's no place for your experience. There's no place for your perspective in this conversation whatsoever um, because it might somehow deny my own. It might somehow diminish my own. So I can have my own, but I'm going to create space for yours, and then we'll we'll see where we are after that. That's a far more powerful place mm-hmm. than I know everything, I'm the know-it-all, uh, and you shut up while I tell you how things are. I mean, you see it in the presidential campaign that's currently going on. A lot of leaders use this style in running companies, and, and it doesn't work per se. I, I just don't see it being effective. People don't respond well to that. I mean, a certain kind of worker bee might want some kind of leader to, to tell them what to do and whatnot, but just want to have to be engaged in it. We want to have our voice. We want to, we want to co-create together. And that's where there's real vitality. That's where the creativity lies. And the more we can have that, then I think the quality of our life improves dramatically. Well, and I want to, I want to assert here that yeah. I can still be the boss. I may, I may still be the, the president of this organization. I may still have my own sense of authority, but I can be informed by yours. That doesn't mean that mine is watered down, but I, I want to, it sounds like what your your preference is here is to be informed by the other person's perspective. I want that information. I might be missing something. I might have a blind spot. This might make me more powerful to understand how things are perceived outside of my own head. So I want that information. But ultimately, I'm going to come back to my own integrity. I'm going to come back to what it is that I want. But hopefully, this is going to inform me even more. I'll be even more powerful, even though it might challenge what I think is true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or hopefully it will challenge what I think is true. Yeah. Because okay. it'll put me in a place of, of growth, of, okay. of understanding. And I agree. You're going to be, you're going to have a lot more power, a lot more knowledge, a lot more awareness about the way the world works. I mean, the world is full of people. We want to understand everyone's reality as, as best we can. Right. Yeah. But this is, we don't want things to devolve. I think the shadow side of this is when we get into this area where there's no leadership now. It's because everybody's, everything's a committee kind of thing. And I just want to speak to the, that we can be informed by it, but ultimately come back to our own sense of authority and be informed by that. Mm -hmm. I think that's good that we're not giving our nutsack up here. We're not cutting off our power. We're not cutting off our strength that this is a a real strength. This is the true power, uh, the, the true strength in which we're not defending we're not trying to push our version onto someone else. We can still have our principles. We can still have our integrity. We can still stay aligned with our own vision. And this is the art is how do we maintain our sense of vision and our sense of self in relationship to another person mm-hmm. um, and allow what their reality is, their truth is to ultimately enhance our own and, right. and hopefully vice versa. And we're going to affect them also. So I've made space for this person. I'm getting their world. I'm getting an understanding of how they perceive things, why they are in this position. There's some reason they've got their reality. I don't have the full reality, so I want to understand their reality a bit more. Um, I'm asking lots of questions. I'm not defending. Um, I'm just getting curious. So then what? What happens after that? Um, Once we're there, we don't want to lose sight of our intention for the conversation. We don't want to lose sight of the result or part of the behaviors that we, we cited when we got into the conversation in the beginning. So we don't have to lose our bearing. And a lot of times we can lose the focus of the conversation, but coming back to this happened, I get it. it makes sense to me. I get, I understand why that happened on your side of it, but how are we going to arrive at a, at a different action moving forward? 
how is this going to look different? What kind of commitments, what kind of agreements are we going to make? If we're not willing to do that old thing, how can this look different moving forward? Great. So we're, so we're coming together and saying, I understand why you're doing it now. And, and here's why I did it. And now mm-hmm. I'm understanding what's going on for you. Now, what are we going to do differently um, to move things forward and create a different reality instead of just having an understanding of why things happened? Let's create something so that we have a different reality next time. Right. And look, you might get here and, and they, one or you, you or the other person may not want to make a change. Yeah, it's not worth it to me. I'm not willing to, to shift my behavior. There's a reason I did it and I'm going to continue to do it. And we have some disagreements about whatever it is. Then we might really look at if this relationship is something we want to keep in place if the nature of the relationship is something we want to maintain. And then we might want to look at if we need to have someone else in the room with us to take the conversation to the next level, to really mediate it. It's not always going to end rosy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not always going to get the result we want. But we can stay firm and fast to say, this is a result I'm, I'm really needing and going. And if, if we can't meet that, then we're going to have to talk about that. Right. Because I'm not willing to engage in a relationship that, that doesn't really support my own alignment, my own values my own integrity. Well, this is powerful. This is how change is created. This is how transformation happens. It's not by complaining. It's not by resenting. Um, It's not by just bitching at somebody. It's not by trying to overpower them and make them wrong. It's not even about having them try to convince us why they did it and just like, oh, okay, well, now I feel sorry for you or whatever. And and then we go back to the old way of doing things. It's, It's, okay, given that this is the way things are, what new agreement can we create? What new reality can we create? What needs to happen so that uh, we're moving towards a, a different outcome, one that I would prefer, hopefully one that you want to prefer too. And, if, and what you're saying is if it might not end, Rosie, it might not happen, um, but that would be the basis for bringing in some mediation, uh, somebody from the outside to help, help move things forward. Or it might just be like, okay, this is not a, a relationship or a partnership I want to maintain if we can't come to this agreement. But it gets us out of this place of expecting things to be different um, just because we had a conversation. I love that it's about coming back down to this, let's make an agreement. Let's make something solid here so that this doesn't continue to happen. And imagine if you do this across the board in your life. You're doing it in your marriage. You're doing it with your kids. You're doing it with your business partners. You're doing it with your friends. Um, you're doing it in your community. That you come from a place consistently of having courage to talk about what's difficult with people. But you have the courage to stand up for what's valuable to you, for your own alignment, and to stay in your own integrity. Now, as we, when we start this process, it can seem really overwhelming. It's like oh my gosh, there's a lot that I, I, I need to start taking care of. And, I, and when I started this process in myself, what I began to see were a lot of areas that I was overlooking my truth. And it was just kind of painful. And then one by one, we began to confront and have difficult conversations. How can you, can you give us an example of that? What does that mean that, that you were overlooking your truth? Making agreements with people around money that weren't in my integrity, or I was willing to overlook some of their their issues, or going into business with certain folks over time that ultimately wasn't something that was going to serve me. But I was willing to do it because, well, it just felt okay. I didn't want to to, to ruffle anybody's feathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain parts of of my marriage that I just didn't want to face myself. I, I'd love to overlook certain aspects that I don't have to uh, deal with my anger. I don't have to deal with the way that I see my work versus the way that my wife sees her work, that I'd rather stick to the system instead of asking the harder questions. And I started to see a lot of costs 
to my overlooks in terms of the way my kids were, in terms of, of my business. And when I really took responsibility for it and literally asked my wife certain questions about things in the past or, or how she felt about some of the things we went through, I was terrified to hear her story in the beginning because I just didn't want to feel like I was wrong or that I messed up I, and I felt like I needed to defend myself. But it was a, a real wonderful opening for both of us to have her tell the story as she experienced it and have me sit there and just listen Hmm. um, to learn about her reality as my partner and some of the things I've done that have not been wonderful. They haven't been great. It's been really tough. So ultimately it's improved the quality of a relationship that I have now where we can talk about anything and everything and it doesn't take very long. Hmm. But the long-term trajectory of what this can look like if we start doing it across the board is that it gets easier. We build muscle and we begin to look for these conversations and our lives reflect this kind of fierceness, this kind of clarity. And we're not afraid to look at our bank accounts. I mean, it's the same thing. If we're afraid to look at our marriage, we're afraid to look at our bank accounts, we're afraid to look at our friendships, what's really going on there and start to look where the drain is happening, where, where the leaks are. The possibility is, is something that I think a lot of us are surprised when we feel it going well. It's like we have jetpacks on our back and, and we have more power than than we could have imagined. And most guys are coping with this by trying to outrun it. They, they think instead yeah. of dealing with it head on, uh, maybe I can outrun this if I made more money or I pleased my wife in another way or I did this and that, then I can get out ahead of this thing instead of turning directly into it and what I'm hearing is if I'm going to have difficult conversations with other people, I need to have them within myself. I need to have this relationship with myself and be able to confront those parts of me that I'm hiding out from, I'm avoiding, I'm bullying and, and diminishing. Uh, I need to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, hey, you know what? I'm not happy with this. I, I want. I need. It's time for me to speak up. Um, if I'm willing to do that, then it's going to be a lot easier for me to bring that out in the world and to, and to clean things up instead of feeling overwhelmed as you said, trying to outrun and and go bigger than the problems that are that are being perpetuated in my life because I don't want to uh, deal with them head on. And you can never outrun them; they're going to catch up to you sooner or later. So why not start now? So for the guy that's that's listening right now, we just covered a lot of territory. We just covered a lot of stuff. It's going to be thick. Um, mm-hmm. We don't expect him to become an expert based on this one, you know, listening to this one time at all. So what's just one thing that he could start to do today that would be a step in this direction where you start to build that muscle a little bit? So what if a difficult conversation doesn't always have to be about conflict? We'll get there. I mean, we don't have to, to get the big fish on the very first cast. I would challenge the listener to go and have a quote unquote courageous conversation with someone by, by sitting down and telling someone that they care about how much they appreciate them and take time with that. Really share with somebody your appreciation, really share what they mean to you and how you've benefited from being in their life and asking them the question, is there a way that they could see this being better? Is there a way we could improve this relationship? That's a really safe non-harming way to to get involved here and to practice what it's like to listen. And that can move a relationship forward in a powerful way. I like that. It goes in the opposite direction. Instead of bringing the negative, bring Mm -hmm. the positive. What do you appreciate about them? I'm always amazed at Mm -hmm. uh, what people will say at a funeral about the person laying in the casket that they never said (laughs) to their face. So this is back to what real strength looks like. Are you going to wait until that guy's dead? You're going to wait until this person in your life is gone before you express these things? Or what would it mean for you to, to 
to express your appreciation and how they've had an impact on your life. Um, and, and mm-hmm. start to work this muscle of going into that uncomfortable place, feeling that fear and saying what you want to say anyway, bringing that integrity, bringing that strength. I like it. Yeah. Jeff Hanslick, you can learn more about Jeff at TitleLeadership.com. You can learn more about the surf retreats he's doing with Jonathan Paskowitz at JohnnySurfer.com. Jeff Hanslick, thanks so much, man. Thank you, Trip. If these interviews are helping you, then please visit The New Man on iTunes and leave us a positive review so others can discover the show more easily. Thanks for listening.